this podcast is dedicated to all the fans who thought that Wednesday last season would do something before the players got saddled by an EFL great wobbling asterisk and the collapse of Fletch gave us zero options beyond plan A. And to all my fellow owls in the struggle, you know what I'm saying? Hope it's all gravy grave here. It was all a dream. Last season, watched the dog shit football team. Tom Lees and Joey P up in the 16, banging their head against the wall. Every Saturday, crap attack with some mug ball. We'll try the Rhodes fight to remember Rhodes crap. Thought we were able, better than the table. Way back when we thought Adam Reach was a crack with the Bob's a match. Remember Jakob Murphy? Do ha 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 ha. Hoping that Izzy Brown reaches that bar. Hoping Swim Our Mod Bod plays like a god. And watch FDB be better than JOC. We're born sinners, the opposite of winners. Still wondering if Monk is a Stalin or a Hitler. Peace to Fox, Morgan, Stevie Fletch, and at D. Cockney Hutch and the man Kieran Lee. We're back again like you thought we would. Trying to be as positive as we could. It's all good. And if you don't know, now you know, Owls. You know very well, Wednesday's poor. Point seduction when holders down. Reach for mid table. Last season scored some goals, but not that many. Praying for a forest roads on another different gravy. different gravy not just another sheffield wednesday podcast i'm one of the hosts richard miller and my co-host well this summer different gravy faced a choice much like sheffield wednesday with the cream of the crop out of our price range do we go for young and inexperienced or stick with the same old clodders that got us here in the first place the club went one way the pod went another welcome back our own oldie but a goodie dr luke gledall how are you doing today luke <laughs> Good. How about yourself, Rich? I think also. Uh, I think also, as we're we're going into a new season, I like the landmark episodes. I like sometimes doing the same for you, Rich. I think giving you the honor. You are our fearless host, and I appreciate that very much. But uh, <laughs> welcome to Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Luke Leddle, and joining me as ever is a man who fought WAP stood for Wireless Application Protocol. <laughs> The man who's hoping that Cardi B and Megan the Stallion are bringing back some antique mobile applications is <laughs> Mr. Richard Miller. How are you, Rich? I'm very good. Oh, we see, we're current, we're relevant, aren't we? We know yeah. these things. Yes, with all your rapping music and uh, TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> we know of it all. Ah, oh, we are aware and we let it drift by like so much flotsam and jetsam so you're, you're well luke you're uh I'm, I'm doing well yeah i'm all right i'm uh starting to get a little heady heady whifter of some optimism for the season so uh let's uh see how long that lasts yeah definitely i, I think it was a bit of a kind of <laughs> it's a rough ride last season and i think obviously we were you know we're aware now that the position we're in as it stands is we've got minus 12 points so it's hard to feel massively optimistic 
Um, but I like, you know, I like some of the noises I'm hearing and getting the fixture list together and things like that is, uh, it's all exciting. I think I'm slightly disappointed with, for me, I know this isn't your experience as a, as a, a, a remote fan as you are now of an owl in exile. Um, but most of the, well, not most of the excitement, but a lot of the excitement of football being back would be going to see football. Um, and at the moment, that's still a fairly distant prospect. So I'm I'm looking forward to the day when I can, you know, hop in the car and uh, make the trip across the Pennines to, to Essex and uh, take my place in the multitude <laughs> as we sit on our hands and grumble for 90 minutes. As Rivers Como would say, Borough of Hills, that's where I want to be. <laughs> exactly. Do you know, um, I've, this is completely um, unrelated, apart from the fact that Rivers Cuomo, as you say, is a Wednesday fan. It's massive Wednesday night, yeah. Massive, huge Wednesday night. He Apparently he writes his songs now, but with a spreadsheet. Really? So, so like he knows what the what a hit song for them looks like. And like, so it's like, oh, I need a phrase that's like eight words long here. Oh, the guitars will do this sort of thing here. So yeah, it's like mathematics rather than um, you know being taken by the muse. It's a, it's a it's a I don't know a function within Excel. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Is that why they're not as good as they used to be? <laughs> but in a way, they're sort of exactly what they've always wanted to be. I think that's the that's... thing. I think he always just wanted to write big dumb pop songs, and then and apart from like <laughs> apart from Pinkerton, that's sort of really what he's done. Do you think he's such a massive Wednesdayite? He's basically just looked to um, uh, simulate Richie Humphrey's career. <laughs> in in, yes. all, in all the possible ways, yes, definitely, De- definitely. Um, I was really hoping for Rich resigned. Yes, just like you're like yes, Where, yes, but it's a no, really. You know, one of those. <clears throat> so, Luke, the the purpose of this episode really bit of a catch-up because it's been quite a news-filled summer so i think really what we should do is breaking hoo-hoos put ourselves on an official news footing and uh and bring ourselves into breaking hoo-hoos so one of the you know we we talked last season we had the great wobbling asterisk over us um we will now have a great wobbling minus sign next to our uh, points tally for at least uh, the first few weeks of the season. Um, I mean, what's uh, what's cooler than being cold? It's minus twelve. That is much cooler than being cold. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the we're definitely the coolest team in the league. If uh, if your points tally relates to either Fahrenheit or Celsius, so either way, we we're we're winning that race. And people talk about the race to the bottom, which sewn up. Really, from from the off, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we. I think we're not, we're not just near the bottom on alphabetical merit. No, as as is always the case. But uh, no, we, we've um, we've got a head start on those other guys. We've put some something on the board, something something tangible. Um, <laughs> but we, I think we sort of knew that that, that was the sort of ruling um, as we were kind of closing things up and and, and leading into our our season review. Um, but we've had more details. We've had the official written reasons, and we've also had. We know that the club has now appealed. What are your sort of broadly? What are your thoughts on the extra details we saw, and and uh, and and, the, and sort of Wednesday's position as you see it? I think it's, you know, it's interesting reading that, you know, review or that reports, whatever you want mm. to call it, because it's 
essentially kind of giving some very privy uh, details to us, some very damning evidence, I think, for both sides. Like, we kind of went by a lot of the goodwill and fortune of our, you know, our benefactor, Mr. Chansiri, mm-hmm. with this. I don't feel, but I also kind of, I think, secretively, we kind of knew, or if we didn't ever say this explicitly on this podcast for our views, <laughs> um, we wondered whether it might not have been dealt with in the best way possible. Yeah. And really looks that way. But also, I think, I feel that we are very much vindicated because I think another thing to focus on is the fact that DFL are a bunch of jokers. Yeah, yeah. Because that's it. I think the written evidence shows that Wednesday were right in their assertion that they'd been sort of led through this process and into this process by the EFL. You know, there's the se- there's sections that read that are the EFL basically saying, oh, this is, you know, for want of a better phrase, this is how Aston Villa got around the rules. So why don't you do what Aston Villa did? We'll just speak to Aston Villa and find out how they did it and then telling us how to do it. Um, so that I think what's weird though then is there's there's this we felt it as fans we don't know what the day to day is like within the club obviously mm-hmm. um, but as fans I think you get a feel for maybe things not being quite as gripped as they should be mm-hmm. with where we see it most most publicly is is in the relations of of managers so it's felt like it's taken too long to get rid of managers it's felt like it's taken too long to then replace that manager you know there's a kind of there's a lack of urgency about the way things are done and you do hear comments that basically nothing happens when chancery is not in the country so it's kind of you know everything gets madly rushed through when he's there but it's all to do with his time and his attention so he's kind it feels like maybe in a lot of ways he's a bit of a bottleneck to things you know in kind of a management speak um we, we often relate football to other businesses um and you know he's got that kind of sticky desk it feels like because the efl kind of did the the gave us the advice um the auditors kind of waved through this backdated heads of terms on on the sale of the club um and then the club just seems to have done nothing which has really added to all of the problem because if i think if we sort of grabbed the bull by the horns and and done it within a week or whatever it feels almost like a lot of the problems would have gone away mm-hmm. um because as you say this has been embarrassing this whole process feels embarrassing for us but also equally and maybe more so for the efl because I, you can see why somebody like charlton or what or steve gibson or who you know whoever would be angry because clearly they were helping us get round the rules they were they were willing to do that they it's almost like we've annoyed them by taking too long to do it that's that seems to be the main crime mm. that with chancery is committed against them that and being pretending to be too foreign i guess yeah <laughs> the other thing i thought was interesting someone um a poster on elfstalk and i apologize that i can't off the top of my head recall their their name and details so if that person is known or if that person is for listening i, I apologize um <laughs> But there was basically someone was pointing out the fact that, you know, as part of any kind of payments from the Premier League to the football leagues, 
one of the mandates of that, one of the stipulations was that, you know, profit and sustainability rules have to be put in place. Yeah. I mean, that was a bit of dimension that made me kind of think, made me feel a little bit sympathetic towards some of the the higher ends at EFL. Mm. Um, Just as a weird kind of segue. So I, um, with the NHL, I support the Calgary Flames and midweek I saw them crash out of the Stanley Cup playoffs to the Dallas Stars. Uh, They scored three goals in quick succession in the first period within a space of three minutes. And then they basically conceded seven on the trot. Uh, to lose 7-3. It felt like a capitulation of a very Sheffield Wednesday, Wednesday standard. <laughs> so it made me feel very much at home. So my first thing was feeling very much a, a note of anger towards these very highly paid um, spineless charlatans that, you know, clod up the billions of dollars on the Calgary Flames franchise roster. <laughs> um, but the the thing I felt after that was like, I feel really bad for these people because they've just massively shit the bed, you know. And I kind of feel a little bit similar towards the people at EFL because after that kind of after that post and that illusion that you know we're just we're just the plaything of the Premier League, which yes. is just everything is always the problem with that. Everything is dictated by the big money, and it's 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 almost like the real head office is the Premier League. We're almost like a shadowy sister sister organization that's less funded, but, but you know, we're still under is, the under the thumb, you know? But then the, the thing is with the EFL, the championship is a massively well-supported division. Like in world football, mm. the championship is like the fifth or sixth highest attended division. So mm. I... I Yes, they are in a position where they're completely subservient to the Premier League and, and it's a sort of crumbs from their table. But I, I do think there's a wider failure of their stewardship is not to make a better... They're not doing what they should with the product that they have because it's clearly... People like watching the championship. It's it's maybe not the best quality of football, but it's certainly exciting football. And yeah, I'm sure. So, well, so you kind of worldwide, people would I think would be interested in it if they if they were better at getting TV deals and things like that in place. But um, yeah, they don't necessarily. I suppose what I'm saying is they don't necessarily need to be in that position. And and I think sort of chasing clubs around. What upset me and what and I think I think every football fan has at the heart of them a little. We all feel like we're a bit hard done by. We all feel like we don't get the penalties we should get. We don't get the free kicks we should get. You know, we don't get the positive coverage we should get, whatever. Because, you know, compared to our own feelings about the club, nobody else thinks we're, you know, the special, you know, joy-bringing entity that, that we, they are to the, to the fans of the club. But it feels, in a way, there is a bit of a spitefulness to... yes. There is. That is something that very the much proceedings. came through. Yeah, and it's it's sort of it's sort of blown up in their face. But the, this twelve point deduction should have happened when we were comfortable the season before last. Mm. They thought we were going to be fine this season, so they were relaxed about it. Saw that we started to get into trouble, then rushed to try. <sighs> yeah, that 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 <laughs> whole relics. that whole element is is unforgivable from that. I mean, I'm not trying to... This situation's very messy, um, so I'm not trying to look at it in any kind of great binary. I'm not trying to say Wednesday are exonerated or DFL are exonerated or Wednesday are damned or DFL are damned. Mm. Like, it's it's a, it's a colossal group fuck-up. It's a group failure, 
really. None of us, none of us are self-made, and nobody in this world is self-made. Mm. You know, everybody has success and failures based off other people. Yeah, we have individual successes, we have individual failures, but ultimately, ultimate, you know. It all, it all rolls up to a group success or a group failure, if you want to yeah. look at it in a yeah. kind of that binary sense, or maybe live somewhere in the middle. Like it's the thing that I really disliked about that was the machinations around the mentality of, oh, well, maybe we'll give it this. Oh, no, we won't give it this season. Maybe the season after. Oh, now we're definitely going to give it the penalty. You know, that I thought was terrible because ultimately it shouldn't be. It should be a reflection of a letter of the law. Yeah. You know, it's not like it. it's kind of a bit like I've I don't know. Let's just say that I, you know, I have been I have burgled someone's house and I go to, you know, I'm arrested. Fashion, everyone, by the way, it's recorded. Uh, but go. go. <laughs> Must be really good for you to get that weight off your chest, Luke. I, I feel so much better now that I've uh, <laughs> let the world know about that one, about that doozy. Um, but I, I shouldn't then go to the police and then be like, "Well, you know, the usual, the usual penalty is this." However, I'm thinking this. You know, you can't, well, it's, it's you, also, can't it's... you can't show yourself as having any integrity if you're deciding based off a certain number of situations. Well, it's worse than that, isn't it? Because it's trying to be, it's trying to cause you the most harm possible. So it's, okay, thanks for confessing to burgling a house. Uh, at the moment, you're doing all right financially. Uh, so what we're going to do is we'll wait, we'll see. But um, if you go into your overdraft, that's when we're going to fine you. Uh, you know, then you'll have to pay the, the, the fine for the, the crime that you've done. Um, and, you know, like it's that sort of thing. It's like, oh, you know, oh, Call, call us when there's a significant event in your life you know you're getting married or a child is being born that's when we'll put you in prison because it will then really affect you it, it, there's n- surely nothing in the rules that says the EFL will will carry out the the performative justice at the moment that causes the most hurt to the football club that cannot be in the rules I mean can you imagine anybody passing that <laughs> It's wild. Yeah. Another thing I want to say about the, the head of EFLs is basically is that like the, you know the interesting thing and I, I kind of have a bit of sympathy because I feel like I've seen this within I've, I've seen this happen with my professional career people who have positions seemingly of authority who have no power whatsoever mm. so I think there's a lot of like I think like um, you know our favorite uh, status quo uh, <laughs> band member who's leading it um, he's kind of waving his giant uh, todger around but when it when it comes to the events this stud just goes limp basically like he doesn't have any power this is the problem it's like he's kind of saying that he has power but then it goes to independent independent committee and they're like well you know you guys have you know kind of undercuts everything that they do and then other people can kind of come up and say you know this is a democracy and i think this should happen sooner yeah so it is a mess it is a real, real mess. Um, just sort of to move on slightly, because obviously we've spent many, you know, many minutes <laughs> talking about this subject in, uh, yeah. in presentation and and also now, you know, after the after the fact. In terms of the appeal, um, presumably from Wednesday's point of view, it's a bit of a no-brainer because if the ruling is now, so effectively we've been given the maximum punishment for our breach of the financial fair play or the profit and sustainability mm. rules. Mm. So 12 is as many points as you can get for that, um, you know, technically applied to two seasons too late. 
Um, but from our point of view, well, we might as well roll the dice because anything that we can get off that is a is a win, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm sure that's the mentality they'll take and the mentality they'll go through. And even if reports are true that it's going to cost Wednesday, you know, in the tune of around half a million pounds, then sure. I mean, unfortunately, there's still enough money within this league to, you know, try and speculate to, you know, take a bit of damage off that. Well, presumably... It feels a bit know. like a it feels a bit like a, a game of D&D. You know, it feels <laughs> like we're rolling the dice to take off some damage, you know, see if we can get some hit points back off this one. You know, it's... You may as well just roll the dice on this. Well, it could be the difference, couldn't it? Three points, even, could be the difference between staying in this league and getting relegated. So, mm. you... That's worth half a million, I would guess. Um, I think it would. I think the, there's quite a gulf between the Championship and League One, which yeah. is it's probably worth a few more. It's probably worth millions. Exactly. So yeah. So worth the yeah, um, yeah worth the attempt, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I. I don't. I think uh, who can know with these things? I, I haven't. I've heard some people sort of speak declaratively that we'll be. It's going to be a good. Um, you know, we'll, we'll probably get some sort of nod in our direction from a, an appeal. I've heard other people say we've got no chance at an appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's hard to know, isn't it? But I, I, I feel like there's very little chance of another. Like I don't, I don't think with the EFL challenging it, the 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 evidence that Wednesday were able to present that there is the dialogue with the EFL was definitely helping us to do this so that they can't, we can't be punished for that kind of rule breaking if they're telling us to do it and how to do it. Um, and even accepting, saying that they'd accept a, a, essentially a forged document. So all of that really makes me think the EFL doesn't have a leg to stand on with their extra charges, which is where they were going for the 21 points. Yeah. Can we just say from the proceedings as a mild kind of aside, uh, one person I felt came off exceptionally well is the uh, the lovely Catherine Mier. Yes. I, and you wonder why she, whether it was part of why she left. <laughs> could well be. Could well be. I don't know. I don't want to kind of... No, it, feels, it feels grotty to pontificate over someone's exit but it it felt sad because i felt that wondered if maybe you know there's a lot of talk about you know should we have a ceo should we have Mm. maybe someone who can be a bit more full-time than mr chancery can and i think she conducted herself very well during her time at the club it seemed to coincide with a a lot of positive things but uh, i mean obviously we can't know from the outside looking in um Mm. But it, it, it's gone back to feeling a bit, well, we're talking about gripped, you know, just ungripped, a bit kind of loose and and, and baggy in her absence. Um, quite how that works, I don't know. But um, I think maybe this it's a nice segue in terms of things not being what they should have been and, and things maybe getting missed. Uh, so one of the big changes at Hillsborough this summer is we've we've had a rejig of the coaching staff and we've we talked a lot about maybe maybe needing uh, some some fresh blood in that regard and and obviously we've got quite an injection of that so um, yeah we, we welcome a trio of coaches to, to the club <laughs> yes and I think this is the best time Rich for you know what time it is folks. <laughs> That's right, everybody. 
You can't beat a bit of bully. A bit of bully now is the under-23s coach because we've replaced him as the first chief coach with uh, Andrew Hughes, I believe it is. Yes. And joining him as well is Daryl Flaverhan as the um, goalkeeping coach. Yeah. And James Beattie. James Beattie yeah. is... I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm doing a, a really awful job of masquerading. Is he assistant manager? I think he's assistant manager. Anyway, yes. this is, is the best is. time to see if Rich knows these people's endorsers. That's right. James Beatty and Andrew Hughes are both on LinkedIn. Oh. So, so the good news is, Rich, is that Andrew Hughes is on LinkedIn and he does know sports. Might be difficult to get his head around Monopoly Go to play JR6 instead of Yakon Murphy, but there's always a challenge. So, Rich, I'm going to give you, go through three people who have endorsed um, Andrew Hughes on LinkedIn with a series of clues, and we'll see how you do. I've got three sets of clues here. So basically, okay. if you get it in the first one, you'll get three points. If you okay. get in the second, you get two points. If you get it in the third, you'll get a point. If you don't get it at all, I'll be sorely disappointed. Okay. And remember, folks, we are not playing for any prizes whatsoever. <laughs> There's no speedboat. Um, I might send you a dartboard. Oh, right? wow. A different gravy-themed dartboard. <laughs> See if you get it printed anyway. So, Rich... As the general duties master of Cranbrook School in New South Wales, Australia, I provide quality support and services to the director of students, deputy head of senior school in maintaining high standards of student behaviour and appearance. Wow. This is a very tough one. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, of players who've gone down to gone down to Australia and I'm not doing a great job. I can only think of Gary Hooper, but I don't think it's him. That is incorrect. <laughs> Second second point. Some might say instead of maintaining high standards, I raise the roof. <laughs> oh, oh dear. No, I'm not gonna, I'm not, not not any closer, oh, I don't think. Sorry. Disappointed. This last one might get it though. To endorse him, I only took one touch. One touch. I'm sorry, Luke, I'm gonna I'm I c I can't Slide a Wuso. Oh wow. <laughs> wow. You could have mentioned something about being sick. I might have got that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Oh, so, okay. Wow. So what's he get, doing now? He's general duties master of Cranbrook School in New South Wales, Australia. Wow. Yeah. A travelled man. Wow. And okay. I always love his, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen his Twitter account, but he's got a, he's got a dashing um, kind of headshot taken where he's got yeah. a, he's got a really shiny, um, shiny chrome. <laughs> Looking beautiful. Okay. Looking like he's a, a bit of modeling on the side Excellent. okay so this one is a diff is a difficult but also i give you a bit of a hint this is a little bit easier so a current member of the sheffield wednesday coaching team i co-own pro caddy which is bringing power to your fingertips on the golf course with a new and innovative electric golf trolley wow who feels like they 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 could co-own i think my bullen's a bit of a wheeler dealer on the side um, I'm 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 going to go Bullen first. I'm no, guessing that's incorrect. That's, not, that's incorrect. Oh. Okay. Also, I learned from some of the top managers in the game, such as Gordon Strachan, Roy Hodgson, Alan Irvin, and of course Kenny Dalglish. Not my words, the words from his LinkedIn. <laughs> Am I allowed to look up who the first team staff are? <laughs> No. 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 Just who's the work, Kenny Dougley? I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to move on. I'm afraid. Oh. So he's an ex. He's an ex piggy forward. 
for one. So James Beattie? It's James Beattie. Ah. That is one point for Rich. So uh, James Beattie said, Andrew is a dedicated and talented coach. He gave him endorsement. He puts his heart and soul into development of players, young and old alike. With his experience as a player, now as a coach, this makes for a successful formula. A well-liked and respected coach throughout the coaching community. Amazing. I, I think I would, I wasn't thinking new ones. That's what, when you said current. I know. I, I, yeah. Okay. I'm not doing very well at this, sorry. But I've got one point, I feel... You have one point, you have one point, you have one point. Uh, During my playing career, I had the pleasure of being coached by several experienced managers, such as Kevin Keegan, Alan Pardew, Joe Royal, Stuart Pearce, and John Ward. This is a toughie. Kevin Keegan, Alan Pardew, Stuart Pearce. No, I mean, I'm thinking somebody... I don't know, no. Okay. For, For two points. As a player at Manchester City... I was part of the rise from the depths of Division 1 to the highs of Premiership football. Is it Nicky Weaver? It is not, no. And uh, your final final clue, uh, I am possibly the only ex-Rotherham United forward to possess an MBE. Rotherham United, but also played for Man City? Mm-hmm. No, no idea. No, I can't, that's not a connection I've, I've got in my head, I don't think. It's Sean Gota. Oh, I need to say I dismissed him. Really? Twice. In fact, I thought Sean Goater. Ah, oh, should have gone with my gut. So uh, moving on. So that's one point for Andrew Hughes. So terrible. Does not know terrible. his endorsers. So the good news is moving on to James Beattie is that he's, he's endorsed for both soccer and football. So he crosses a definition divide. So if we ever slip modes into the world of soccer, then we have the man for the job to understand the world of a Hurricanes cartoon. <laughs> Um, James B. also seems to use his LinkedIn to watch impressionists. He comes to the video of Mike Osman, who's a lukewarm Donald Trump impersonator with Matt Letizia, and said, two legends, ability and personality, and gave an A-OK emoji. Wow. So, but looking at this one, Rich, just to get you in the right kind of mentality, uh, these are people who've endorsed him for football and not for soccer. So um, don't worry, <laughs> Eric, uh, former Vancouver Whitecaps forward Eric Hasley is not one of the ones who's endorsed him for football. He did endorse him for soccer, though. Okay, okay. Okay. So first up, uh, despite being first team manager at Barrow AFC, my about heavily promotes my role as UK business consultant for Flitcraft Timberframe, whose extensive experience is in designing constructed timber frame houses, and we can provide our knowledge and expertise nationwide. <laughs> um, I'm, I mean, I, I'm surprised I don't know him from... Uh... You know, straight from that, uh, I'm, I'm, I, I deal so much in, in you know, building materials, so I'm surprised it's not, it's not just jumped to mind. <laughs> I'm going to have to go for clue two, sorry. Clue two. I have listed my achievements of my one cap for England, though not the advert during my time at Blackburn Rovers, where I ate some dirty Venkies fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, I'm going to say David Dunn. It is David Dunn, correct. Two points. And the final clue was being, there is also not endorsement for my famed fail Rabona. (laughs) I remember that as well. Oh, brilliant! So doing well with uh, beats here. Okay. Uh, This one might be uh, might be someone who you know. (laughs) So first clue: ex-professional footballer, having enjoyed over 18 years in the game! Exclamation mark. Played for various clubs up and down the country, and even ventured to Denmark and Germany! Exclamation mark. He also mentions that he, he, as well as saying that he ventured to Denmark and Germany, he likes to put a reference in after that. I'll give you a little bit of an extra that he said he played in the Danish Premiership. Oh, 
as if there are any other leagues in Denmark. But anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to think of English players that played abroad as or British players. Mm. Um, jo- um Oh, what was the Scotland player called? Just double checking. I'm not getting him confused with the person I know in real life. <laughs> <laughs> it often happens on the- <laughs> John Collins. No, no, that's that's a good guess, but it's not actually. That's just an interesting segue into that, though. I was the Stoke City TV anchorman from October 2014 to June 2015. Oh, Stoke City. And what were the years? October 2014 to June 2015. So, so retired before then, presumably. Stoke. I can, ne- I can neither confirm. Rory Delap. That's the only Stoke person. I can oh, I feel like we're getting closer. <laughs> anyway, for one point, my LinkedIn does not mention my famous debut cap for Scotland and my world ever miss in that game against Norway in 2008. Oh, I'm going to kick myself with this one, aren't I? Was this, um, was this the beginning of your Scotland supporting career, Rich, or was it... Uh... <laughs> it's, the thing is, uh, yeah, following Scotland, um, the the staggering misses and the uh, the heartbreaking moments just happen so thick and fast. It's almost, um, mm. it's almost hard to keep up with them. So I'm thinking a Stoke, Stoke player. No, I'm, I'm thinking Charlie Adam, but it's not. It's not definitely not Charlie Adam. Who who is it like? I'm disappointed you didn't get Chris Iwalumo. Oh, should have. I don't remember him playing for Stoke. I think he did near the end, right? I think he was. Um, what did he, he played? Was it Wolves? I remember you know, the funny thing was actually Wolves. when I was when I was putting this stuff together, I did confuse him with Clark Carlisle, which may seem a little bit racist. <laughs> Because I, I wanted to mention, uh, you know, I was on Countdown, but he wasn't on Countdown. That was Clark Carlisle. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. He was just stoked for four years early on. Okay. He, he, well, he was at Wolves, wasn't he? That's where he kind of, that's where he made his name. Was that correct? Was he at Burnley as well? Two, I years, at, two years at Wolves. I remember him at Colchester because I think that's when we were like linked with him, maybe signing him. Then he was at Charlton for a season. Did the fax machine not work for that one? <laughs> yeah, probably. He's played for a lot, a lot of clubs. Ended up playing at Chester. 2014, he played 10 games for Chester. There you go. Dis- disappointed you didn't get the... Uh... I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Our final endorser. <laughs> our final endorser in the game of uh, can't beat a bit of bully now in the under-23s. So... Therefore, Rich is guessing the endorsers of the new coaching staff at at Essex. Um, My profile picture has me with Alex Ferguson. We have never worked together during my playing and managerial career. (laughs) I actually may have, but it just just seems so random. I don't know. I mean, I don't think he has. It's a good zing on that person. It's almost impossible as a clue, Luke. But... um, The tough ones are tough ones for a reason, Rich. <laughs> I've got no... Uh, yeah, I couldn't even hazard a guess. So the second clue might get it go here. for the second clue, yeah. Um, long managerial stint with Charlton or my stint with Pards at Edo Den Haag? Not mentioned on my LinkedIn. Ooh. If I'm allowed to ask for confirmation. So they were, they were, they were a manager alongside Pardew? Or they played for Pardew? Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do the clue again, Rich, if Sorry. that's what you're asking. Long managerial career with Charlton. All my stint with Pards at ADO Den Haag. Not mentioned on my LinkedIn. Uh, Chris Powell? It is Chris Powell, correct. Yes. 
And the final, oh, one, the final one point one. Can I just give you a little power fact, Luke? Just quickly. Sure. The uh, Apple TV exclusive series of Ted Lasso, which is a whole oh, series yes. based on yes. the Budweiser advert. <laughs> no, it was um, it was an NBC ad, wasn't it? it was an NBC ad. It was NBC getting the Premiership, so uh, the Premier right. League. So yes, they had bits with uh, Jason Sudeikis as this uh, American coach character. Yes. which he came up with and he was hanging out with Spurs so as yeah. him giving a, giving a few bits to Harry Kane and stuff like this yeah so they've done a whole series of that and Much a, good. I've watched the first three episodes I would say as a review I like all of the bits in it apart from the fact it's football and in the UK um uh, my 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 fellow countrymen do not come across well in their depiction in the eyes of the American. Um, and and the game of football is somehow uniquely unsuitable for TV or film coverage. But um, he's quite a funny character. But uh, um, yeah, Chris Powell is uh, is has got in on the act. He's the he's the guy that does commentary at the ground of the of the team he manages, which felt wow. very random. But um, I was quite, in a way, quite pleased he sort of managed to sort of hustle into an acting role in some way. <laughs> okay, is this the final? This is the final one you're saying, Luke? That's the final. That was the last one. The oh. one point which we never got to was uh, I have not been endorsed from hanging from the crossbars at X6 or winding <laughs> up the opposition fans. That's Chris Powell. Um, Chris Powell also he doesn't have his current role with England listed either, which I'm like, what the fuck? That's a good because he's still there, right? He was hired he's not as part of most of his. Uh... He was hired as part of the um, the kind of regime to have more representation from you know black and minority ethnic coaches. Mm. Um, so I'm I'm pretty sure he's still there. I'm still he's probably you know under the coaching staff at Southgate at England. But it's not listed on LinkedIn. You'd list that, and I'm surprised. I can't believe he didn't mention didn't mention managing at Charlton. Apparently, he August 2020 he was appointed as head of coaching for Tottenham Hotspur Academy whilst whilst continuing his job with England. So he still has his job with England. Right, it's a very scattershot LinkedIn. Um, the other news from the end of this as well is that I I went into a real rabbit hole <laughs> of football uh, players and. Um, <laughs> Let's see, Rich, that I sent a connection request to Carlos Calvajal. Let's see. If he <laughs> Beautiful. Should I would like it to be more nuanced than just knowing football slash soccer. Like, I would like, you know, I'd like to go on like Tony Yeboah's LinkedIn and just like be like have loads of commendations for worldies and stuff like that. <laughs> Smashing one in off the bar. So yeah. 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 Mm. <laughs> So, so we so got, got five points, but, Rich. Five points from a possible eighteen. That's yeah, good. that was a good quiz. Thank you. Thank you I'd be interested welcome. to know how people coped uh, at home. I, I feel like I was. I let myself down early doors. I think I should, could have done better. Right. They were difficult. Uh, they were difficult uh, three pointers. But we've got so. We, and you were not. You were not Steph Curry as much as I like you, Rich. No, oh, I don't. Yeah, basketball. I don't know anything about that. But yeah, I watched um, the Michael Jordan thing. Uh, that everybody had to watch Last Dance <laughs> I, I didn't get that letter in the mail from uh, Netflix's legal department I'm afraid it was really funny in what they didn't show because it's like because they'd go like this was the point that turned the whole game and then it was like you know so say that they scored somebody scored a three-pointer and it made it 53 40 
seven or something like that. And then the game, the game ends 110, 105. And like, how did you know that was the bit that changed the game? Like, there's so many more points afterwards. I know. That was half time, is what that was. (laughs) The really pivotal goal in the 5 1 defeat was the one that they scored first, the other five that the opposition scored. pointless <laughs> but we you know we thought we looked a bit devoid of ideas towards the end of the season uh thought potentially from our position of absolutely knowing nothing as as armchair um coaches ourselves that maybe some fresh blood some 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 other voices might be a, a useful thing to have and we knew that james Beatty was sort of waiting in the wings uh had been a pretty much ever present for gary monk at other clubs um, but not just got James Beatty, we've got a, a couple of others as well. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's really um, interesting. It's really important. I I hope that someone like Bolland still kind of understands. I think he's done that on the twenty threes kind of role before. It it's a little bit sad for that, but I think it probably would have been sad if he was in a position where he was exiting out of the club. So I'm glad that he's still around in some aspect, though. We maybe wandered around some of his credentials around the first team from his kind of managerial stints. Um, and it, it's really interesting to see um, a new goalkeeping coach. Yes. And I'm really, really hoping that if we don't, if we haven't identified a new number one, then I'm hoping it makes a bit of difference to our goalkeeping personnel at the club. Yeah, that's got to be the uh, person, hasn't it? I think we sometimes don't value. I guess it's an interesting part. There's a lot of books on football. I would be very interested if somebody could do, it'd be a very niche kind of thing. It's a very separate world of the goalkeeper. I mm. think there are a couple of books on goalkeeping and goalkeepers. Yes. Um, but I think a thing that we're kind of learning more, I, I don't know if we're learning more because we're getting to a certain age in our watching football and kind of now we're talking about what we feel we know about football, which still feels pretty limited yeah <laughs> um all we know is that we don't know anything you know we're very uh, we're very we're very philosophical about these things but it seems to it seems to be put into more kind of focus that a big part of goalkeeping is the goalkeeping coach you know the coaching yeah. that they receive it's something that you wouldn't you wouldn't think and you i think you'd naturally just kind of think that goalkeepers turn up fresh and ready and they do the thing that they did last time i think as well there's a team within a team within that goalkeeping unit Mm. i've heard people talk about the unique kind of experience of being a goalkeeper because there's only that one position and if you if you're a jealous person that's kind of chomping at the bit mental health wise that's probably not going to be great for you so it's kind of it does bring its own you know tricky elements to it on top of the, the the skill and performative side of things, it's you've you've got the, the the mental the hidden side of things as well. But I I think it's probably fair to say that whether it's for <laughs> outside reasons or um you know the failing athleticism of a, of an older goalkeeper, I would say I would feel fairly comfortable saying I think all three of our goalkeepers looked like they went backwards last season. Yeah, and. I don't want to point fingers at Nicky Weaver. He's obviously he was a, a fantastic goalkeeper for the club, uh, club and and uh, a, you know and a fan of the club. And I'm pleased he similarly still has a role uh, within the structure. But I think going from such a, a well-respected old head in in Andy Rhodes 
to someone in Weaver who, in coaching terms, is really just getting started. It it didn't feel like a good fit for our co- our, our our goalkeepers. And so, um, in terms of kind of personnel, I mean, Andy Rhodes left in 2018. He left, you know, he left being at Wednesday to go be assistant manager at Oldham. Yes, which didn't really work out for him. Um, but it it obviously felt like at the time of a transition and a move up in the world that I'm sure he thought I can't, this is something I can't refuse. And a lot of us jump into new experiences, not knowing sometimes how difficult they can be as yeah. well. So was it, so that was, that was the summer of 2018. Okay. So who was, has Weaver been, goal, I thought Weaver was goalkeeping coach just this summer or this, you know, the previous summer. Am I wrong in that? I'm not sure. I'm, I'm kind of uh, trying to tap out some kind of searches while we do this on the podcast. Um, I don't know. That's a good point. No, he did. He joined. Yeah, he did join in 2018. But I mean, it's it's very a very marked kind of decline. Yeah. This this season, this last season, just just passed. But I mean, obviously, he was there for 18, 19. I I'm not sure the if difference they... between. It's also a difference between, as as maybe Bullen's found, um, between being a guy that fills in and being the guy that's in. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so that season prior to this summer, it was always the academy one and he'll, he'll be your coach for the moment. And then when that guy becomes the coach, that's maybe a different position to be in as well. I don't know. but Because in terms of, like, goalkeeper... For for 2018-19, I mean that was that was the season where effectively that was the transition year, right? With Yos, yeah, yeah, that was Yos basically first half of the season. Bullen comes in caretake. Then you know we have a bit of delay for Bruce kind of coming in, but and that was obviously one of the first. I think one of the last games I've seen in person at Hillsborough. I think was me and you going, and we saw Wednesday beats uh, Bolton. Mm. But that was previous to that. It was Dawson, effectively, who was the first team because Yos had frozen. You know, Yos had done the same similar thing that yes. uh, Monk has done now. He, you know, froze out Hutchinson, froze out Westwood. So there was. I remember at the time thinking it felt it was a great decision. I think for that game, I think it was a Saturday, probably the twenty second of December, I believe it was. So basically, I knew I was coming back and, you know, me and you met up and went to the game, which was fantastic. Yes. Um, but I was very conscious that, like, oh, it's going to be a, a Yoss game. And <laughs> finally, we pulled the trigger and fired him and then replaced him with Bullen. And I remembered, like, just the exceptional way that I felt that Bullen dealt with um, that situation. He said, I think the fans need a lift at Hillsborough. So that's why he reinstated Westwood. Yes. And Westwood, yeah, just came out of essentially the wilderness. And I think was maybe kind of buoyed by, I wonder if he was generally just kind of buoyed by that situation, that decision. I thought, the thing I was going to say is I thought Bullen dealt with that exceptionally well, the way he described it. Yeah. And the way he dealt with it on a personal basis, or at least how he reflected that to the media. It seemed like it, it was a really, really good decision. And, and dealt with it incredibly well. So I wonder if it's the boost of that. Then obviously you've got the boost of Bruce coming in, the Bruce booster. Bruce, the Bruce. The B- Bruce, Bruce Magoose. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering if, if maybe that was kind of, because that was really seen obviously near an uptick in Westwood's form, Westwood coming back to form, and, you know, really good at the end of that 18-19 season. 
but obviously that led to a new whopping two-year contract and then yes i don't know maybe this change is has something missing that maybe weaver either doesn't have as a person or doesn't have at this stage in his career to be generous and maybe it's you know i'm thinking that it it could be a decent change in a situation where we may be we may see a new goalkeeper we may not see a new goalkeeper yeah i mean to sort of skip ahead slightly we've obviously made some signings and there's rumors of other incoming players um but i think one of the rumors that stood out most to me particularly during this week was that there might be some interest in westwood uh from blackburn and i mean i i, I hope there's something to it i, I can only think that's that's the only way that we kind of get ourselves out of this awful hole we've sort of dug ourselves on on the goalkeeping front because i know i know people are clamoring for westwood to go back and and, and it may well be that westwood is the best of the three goalkeepers that's there i don't in some ways i wouldn't that wouldn't surprise me mm. but that doesn't change the fact that none of them are good enough so i mean we're going to be it's nice to hear positivity from uh, you know folks coming through the door um and and you'd hope as a club we we are looking at the season positively and sort of thinking that you know we'll we'll get the 12 points out of the way as quickly as possible and then see what the season looks like but the chances are this will be a difficult season and points will be hard you know hard for hard mm-hmm. to come by as they are in every other championship season and if we we just can't go back to where we were second half of last season and give every team two or three goals against us at the moment we have no, we have one striker uh we goals again if we let in two we have to score three to win it's kind of basic maths mm-hmm. uh, but it's nice not to have that problem of over you know not to give yourself the mountain to climb to in the first place and having a good goalkeeper is the foundation of building a strong defense and a strong unit that's hard to beat and yeah that's got to be where everything spills out from um but i i'm pleased i I think it's good that we've got a a a new goalkeeping coach in there if only for the fact it shows a a bit of faith in from the the kind of higher-ups in monk and what he's trying to do um you know we're kind of all in on 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 project koi gaz because we (laughs) now he's got his choice of assistant manager he's got his first team coach in place uh, and he's got a goalkeeping coach there as well um I've been quite pleased with some of the bits and pieces. So Izzy Brown mentioned working with Andrew Hughes previously and mm-hmm. spoke very, very positively about that experience. There's several strikers have talked about how good James Beattie was as a coach. Yes. For them. So, I mean, even on James Beattie's LinkedIn, he's put the fact that he's improved Che Adams seriously and, you know, and had him, you know, then flogged him on for, you know, the tune of 15, 16 million, whatever it was. And there's another, is it Church or somebody else that he did to say, it had a similar sort of impact working with, I think, and again, flogged up to, mm. or maybe not Church, um, what's the, oh, the big Kiwi striker? Chris Wood. Chris Wood, I think. Chris he, Wood at Leeds, yes. Yeah, I think similarly, he kind of seemed to have an impact that made him, you know, took him from a guy that was getting 5 to 10 to being a 15 to 20 guy. Yes, um, yes. Which... 
that's great and I, and I also think it's good that the manager and the assistant manager have presumably have expertise that complement each other in that one is a defender and one is a striker so I, I, I quite like when I think what a strong thing of leadership is noticing is knowing where you're weak and and sort of mm. being able to to accept help on that front so mm-hmm. yeah quietly positive about these changes obviously we, we have no idea but um it, it seems it seems to to speak to quite quite a, a step in the right direction on several fronts mm-hmm. um so we so. we've also had some some action in the in the transfer yes we signed three plays in total which I, I think i want to say is three times as many as i expected by this point <laughs> Yeah, probably. I probably agree. And I also uh, must. I mean, I, my my rapping non plume notorious Lukey G uh, in the gravy intro, which we put on this. Yeah. Um, I did talk about the swimwear mod bod, uh, as though it's a definite happening. But who knows? I mean, that that uh, maybe has slowed down a little bit. So uh, Josh Trumpy Bomb Windy S Windass, excuse me. Um, had a bit accepted, but still no kind of definitive movement on that one. But we'll yeah. put that one to one side because, you know, as we said, free confirmed signings, free bodies through the door. <laughs> I mean, I must hold my hand up and say I don't know a huge amount about any of the the three the three new characters in the uh, in the in the Wednesday mm. gallery. Um, Dunkley seems to be a, a pretty sort of solid meat and potatoes type, almost a League One style defender. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Yeah. Um, I, you know, a player that I haven't heard a great deal about, I wondered with a name like Shea Dunkley, it sounded a bit American. And then I wanted to say, is he young, scrappy, and hungry just like his country? <laughs> Sorry, I've been watching uh, watching yeah. Hamilton recently, and it's it's uh, it's a lot of fun. I love um, Also, nothing with Shay Dunkley as well. Something that kind of uh, goes against my mentality. I didn't really know much about him and where he was from, but I, I, I found myself saying Shay Dunkley. Shay Dunkley. I think and he's he is actually from, uh, from Wolverhampton. Yeah. <laughs> and but I also he, wonder if Rich is going to say that he likes big dunks and he cannot lie. <laughs> well, I like. I like uh, I like the way he talks. I think he mm-hmm. speaks very positively. Um, he's a, he's a good age. He's not uh, he's not a youngster in the way that the other two could probably sort of be described. But twenty, I think he's twenty seven, twenty eight. Mm-hmm. That's a good age for a, a centre back. He should be. We you know we should potentially have four or five years of, of good football from him if he if he does you know if he does well. He seems like he's um, athletic. The thing I like a lot is the fact that he has a he has a new you penchant for scoring goals. Like he scored yeah. was it six goals last season. Yeah. He's a he's a real beast at attacking those uh, set pieces. Really so that's good. oh well. Um, I probably would say as well. I mean, yes, it's a team sport and successes are individual, but also successes are in a team as well as our failures. He's also got a new you strike rate in terms of uh, clean sheets. He played 28 games and got seven in those 28. He was playing for mm-hmm. Wigan, granted, but, you know, that that's interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for the fact that he can score goals. I mean, I'd also like to quote as well um, other prominent Canadian Wednesdayite Neil Young, who would say... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Looking for a reader, though maybe one who can defend. <laughs> That's more goals than JR6 that Andy Rhodes cannot defend. 
<laughs> I think my voice is breaking a bit. My uh, my Neil yeah. Young is usually a bit better than that. I'll be honest. Look, I thought it was absolutely beautiful, Luke. I'm actually tearing up a little bit. I was down in Dixieland. <laughs> oh, I like doing Neil Young impression. Gorgeous, so. gorgeous. So maybe um, you are you are looking for a reader and. Uh, yeah, a few few notes of that. You know, he's a he's a big athletic chap who um, looks like he can score a few goals, and maybe also there's question marks about his defending as well. So, but <laughs> I we will need to score goals, and the fact that we've got someone in that mold is quite exciting for me. I think it's Definitely. I think it sounds promising. I think we will probably benefit from this, and I think the fans will get behind him, and he'll be good. Wow, I mean, I'm just. <clears throat> Just speaking about JR6, mm. I'm just looking for a comparison here. Yeah, I mean, he played 10 more games than Rhodes last season, but he got double the amount of goals. Double the amount of goals, I know, I know. <laughs> and we don't do particularly well at from defenders scoring from set pieces. We, we barely uh, score from anybody outside of the strikers, yeah. really. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Jacob Murphy. And Jacob Murphy. Jacob, yeah. Jacob, who's probably not coming back. Probably not. Um, so, he, you know, positives there. He's speaking about, you know, still having an eye on promotion this season, which mm-hmm. seems a stretch, but it's 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 good to talk that way, I think, you know, as long as it's not delusional nonsense, as, as long as it's kind of a positive self-belief, then that's a that's a that's a strong thing to, to come through. We, we spoke briefly about Fiseo Deli Bashiri, Bashiru, sorry. Um mm-hmm. Again, a bit of a real unknown quantity, but again, a guy that seems to have fit. You know, he's fitting in well. Um, looks a good character. Like his, uh, there's there's an interview up on um, the Wednesday YouTube today where you know again he speaks speaks very well. Um, and then the final one, a real sort of surprise. Uh, was was bringing in Izzy or Isaiah Brown? Mm-hmm. Who I, I know we we had a bit of a you know chat about this, and we mm-hmm. um, in terms of stature, in terms of name, you know, I I said you know I I think I'm quite happy with that as a signing. Yeah. Um, and I I basically said you know we're having a bit of a back and forth, saying what do we know about him? And I said I seem to remember that he was a player who was highly spoke of at one point. And quite a coup on uh, in terms of the yes. list and the rank and file of Chelsea's hoovered up youngsters who uh, go out to a uh, you know go out to the many farm teams such as Vitesse Arnhem and yes. Well, I think one one thing that speaks highly of him is he, he's constantly gone out on loan, so he's not someone who's been content to sit. You know, there, there is a, there's a generation of footballers who Chelsea scooped up and. By and large, they've been kind of potential has been squandered, I would say, by, mm. by their kind of factory farm approach to talent. Um, but to 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 his credit, he's not been happy to sit there and end up at 23, having barely kicked a ball in senior football. He's he's got out there and played games for several clubs at several levels. I think that you saying that you know someone who's barely kicked a ball at senior football is very damning of a Dutch leagues. Rich, <laughs> I think you'll find that it is a, a standard. So it's a standard, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Somewhere, somewhere between League Two and the Park is where <laughs> it's, it's where most Dutch football sits. Um, but... <laughs> 
<laughs> how do I get to uh, instead of how do I get to Carnegie Hall? It's how do I get to Vitesse Arnhem? And the answer is lack of practice. <laughs> is that what the cab driver told you? Skip practice. Skip practice. Skip practice. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm quite pleased at, at him coming in. I think he's a guy that makes chances for for other players. Mm. Um, probably more than he scores himself. He doesn't score that often um one other factor for, for our midfield is he's quite tall which is helpful yeah they're all tiny and the fact he's just under he's five foot eleven and a half which makes him half an inch away from being six foot tall a, gi- a giant was, in the world of midfielders if i was him i would just lie about that extra half inch and uh call myself a six footer but uh, it, was, it was a bit like um it was a bit like your boy uh your man, Liam Shaw, Shawe, as <laughs> uh, Alex Hunt likes to call him. Um, you know, seeing him play, you know, I've, yeah. I felt like I should be there to run on the pitch and be like, <laughs> young man, what are, you, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be in the <laughs> middle of the park. You should either be at the, t- be at the front or at the back. <laughs> yes. It's massive. But uh, he's noticeably, yeah, uh, you're right. I mean, he's noticeably quite big for a, for for a, a midfielder. Yeah. A midfielder. Um, and... I think that's one of the things watching the YouTube clips to to get yourself hyped for a signing, as we all do. Um, it does stand out, you know. He he can he can sort of stand up and win headers and things like that, which is not to be sniffed at. No. Uh, you know, if it ever descends into head tennis in the game, we that is not a game we are going to win with our usual midfield. Um, head tennis is not their forte's. Um, I, I think it's it's probably also worth noting. As we uh, as we sort of whiz by them, that both Dunkley and Brown are, are coming off the back of quite serious injuries. So there's an element of gamble there. Yes, yes. Um, but that's I think particularly probably... with Dunkley, he's not really even made his return to first team football after his injury. Is that right? No, no. But I also think that was the same for Izzy Brown. So right. effectively, I think it was February that. Uh, Dunkley suffered a double leg break right? and, and effectively for Luton Town where as you said lots of chances you know he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's been said numerous places elsewhere but I just want to get it out there and people notice already you know he's top of the chances created in the championship he's created a chance every 28 minutes which is fantastic yeah which is is some going some stat um, but yeah I think he had an Achilles injury so um, but then I think with a degree of realism and kind of looking at that, this is the market we're in. You know, there are either players that are untried or untested or players with a lot of potential, uh, decent background and decent performances, but maybe, maybe you know, a slight kind of uh, injury that they're coming back from that we can speculate on. So, and the thing I've liked as well is that just the, the sheer positivity that have come out of both of, I, I guess, all the new yeah. signings. All yeah. three of them. And the fact that they speak highly of the coaching staff and of Monk. And the thing I liked about Izzy Brown was when he was interviewed was basically Monk said to him, Look, you are you're a you're a brilliant player and this is the place, this is your season. Yeah. This is your opportunity for you to show. So I I would really hope that uh, players aren't signed and then the manager kind of comes in and says, you know, it's not like John Sheridan and the Brian Clough, like, you know, who signed you? 
Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. But, uh, but the fact that they're having that conversation and there's having the faith put into him from Gary Monk, I think, raises the bar a little bit for a player like him. And knowing that he's probably, I think Izzy Brown might be a contract at the end of the season as well. So, okay, yeah, so it there's... might feel a little bit similar to maybe what we did with Hector. Yeah, this is a chance for you to prove yourself, and maybe a similar thing as well. Look back last season to Jacob Murphy, where yeah, absolutely, maybe didn't quite work out as well as he hoped it would at West Brom and you know we've given him an opportunity for him to shine and a platform for which to show his skills so exciting exciting mm. exciting signing Potent- could have potential to go to tears but on paper pretty pretty damn good signing I, I uh, yeah I wholeheartedly agree and I think the other thing is these guys are signing knowing the situation we're in. So you hope that that kind of nods towards a bit of a, you know, they're they're, they're willing to accept that challenge and kind of roll their sleeves up a bit, which, uh, yeah, again, it's it's sort of hopeful to to point to. So just looking at, I'm just looking at their soccer base for both of them. So Donkley hasn't played a game since the end of uh, February. Mm -hmm. Uh, but, But Brown was pl- was playing so he, pl- he played uh, 4th of J- July so he's he was playing a bit closer to to now but um yeah it's um i mean there's always a risk we we've signed players that have been fit their whole lives and then and then descended into injury hell i mean i, I think abdi had played 30 something games uh, for for Watford the season before we signed him and then suddenly <laughs> He's the most broken toy in the box. So it's not a given that prior problems will be a, you know, we've, we've barely had any issues with Iorfa's fitness, um, you know, touch wood. Um, and he, he was coming back from a, a bad leg break. Um, obviously, Odebadjo was was in a similar position. Whether that affects mm-hmm. some of his performances or or, mm. or not, I don't know. Um, but in terms of fitness, he certainly doesn't hasn't looked off the pace in that in that regard. Um, so yeah, hopeful signs, green shoots of uh, of sort of recovery and and, and hopeful bits and pieces. Um, we need to sign a couple of strikers. That's undoubted. Uh, yes. There doesn't seem to be a, academy prospects chomping at the bit. Um, we are left with the husk of mm. Jordan Rhodes. Uh, that can't possibly be the plan long term. No, no, no. no. Um, we've been linked with Leco or Leco from from West Brom. Mm-hmm. That would seem to fit Monk's stated aim of of kind of young and hungry, and it it would also fit his kind of model. He likes a a big m- mobile front man, but he likes to build teams around that sort of player. So that would be a good choice, I think, if that, if, if that comes mm-hmm. to fruition. Um, as we touched on, uh, Windy Ass, Trumpy Bomb, um, that would be a nice addition if he comes. I, 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 I hope we don't overpay for him. I, I, yeah. Thing. I th- I, I'm interested in him because I think there's a real useful player in there. And I think, again, he's got a relationship with one of the new coaching team as well. Um, I can't remember which, though. <laughs> okay. Maybe BT, is it? Maybe. Um, I don't you know. know. Maybe that's... Uh... Maybe that's the work we obviously that's wanted. Accrington Stanley. BT was manager at Accrington Stanley for a while, wasn't right. he? Right. Okay. So yeah. I think there's a there's a kind of yeah there's a there's a bit of a simpatico there if which one might be a a, a nudge in our favour when he's making his decision, but also might um, 
might mean that we're we you know we've got a t a coaching team that's able to get the best out of him as well um so yeah interesting bits and bits and pieces so we'll, we'll see how that develops as uh as we go through um and then the other big chunk of news is obviously we've had the fixtures uh released and i'll tell you what i noticed luke what did you notice we play everybody twice bit of a strange one that's why um that's why i talked to you that's why i got you on board for the podcast that's why people listen because <laughs> it's all gold <laughs> oh dear any observations of your own <laughs> um it's a little bit tough to start with um I'm, I'm curious if we go back and look at the stats i don't know if anyone's probably done this but how do seasons how are seasons defined if you start at home first or you start away first i feel that seasons that start away don't go so well that's interesting i don't know but i i seemingly remember like um was it did we probably in the mid late noughties we started away at ipswich and we got hammered 4-1 uh remember as that awful awful performance away at preston the season after the playoff final yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then that was a good season. We just didn't finish it well. That was like the yeah, best we've had in about ten years. I know, I know. Well, that, that's <laughs> funny, but it's just it led. Uh, it's just that game against Huddersfield, thanks to you know that connection with Vizzy Brown again. Mm. Mm. But I think yeah. like, September looks tough. That those are three. You want a positive yeah. start, really? I don't feel like we've made positive starts in recent years. It's interesting because obviously last season we did start away from home, but we won. <laughs> so I find it hard to think that that's a portent of anything in particular. Mm, maybe that's just a thing for the fans, you know? Yeah. But I always look... So obviously you look opening day, we're away. The next thing I look for is boxing day, and we're away. You look for New Year's day, and <laughs> We're at home, thankfully. Um, and then I can't ever remember where Easter's supposed to end up. And then you look at last day and we're away. Almost every big like date in the calendar. Is <laughs> away. Away yeah. And there's no game on uh, New Year's Day. It's a game on the 2nd, right? Exactly, yeah. It's the 2nd, but it's the equivalent of... I don't like New Year's Day games. No, it's always um, pretty miserable. I seemingly remembered being back in the UK and going for a New Year's game with you, which was home to Burnley. Oh yeah, and that was that was a grim day. I remember <laughs> walking back from not being sure of the bus service and walking back from Hillsborough to to uh, the city centre and trying to go to a KFC that was closed. And that was it was a very depressing thought on a very blustery, cold New Year's Day. <laughs> Are there any fixtures? Cause, uh, this year has been interesting because this season's interesting because we don't necessarily have one of those teams that we're immediately looking out for. I, well, me personally, I suppose Rotherham are there as a bit of a local rival, but we don't have Sheffield United. We don't have Leeds United. That was a, that was a bit of an odd experience. You know, it's a C grade, uh, it's a C grade derby, isn't it really? If you had to give yes. them, if you had to give them uh, ticketing prices, you know, it's a C grade. It's not a, it's not a prominent one, but it's still, no. a, it's still a derby, I guess, you know, it's weird. It's weird. It, it looks weird. weird, you know. Probably take me time to get used to it. And then, obviously, we've—I um, I guess since we last spoke, we drew in the Carabao Cup. We're playing Walsall. Exactly. Which is—we away at Walsall. Or are we at home at Walsall. We're away at Walsall. Can't believe we got saddled with that one, eh? <laughs> it's exactly the sort of game that we could go and lose and really, really kick this season off to a great start, isn't it? That's the. <laughs> That's a perfect, perfect fixture to go 
<laughs> but it's a weird t- it's a weird timing isn't it normally that's the sort of first tuesday back um straight after the the season kicks off so it's a, it's strange to have the cup game first so it's almost a set another warm-up game um at the Banks' stadium. I'm so battered by the season and what's happened and what hasn't happened. I can't even remember the fact that Barnsley are actually still in the championship. Yeah, I'm so, I, I'm also like, I can't believe that uh, Coventry are there either. No, that's uh, weird. It's such a bizarre group of teams that came up. <laughs> like one, Wickham Wanderers, Coventry City. And I suppose Rotherham's not that bizarre because they are your classic. What about your, the teams that came down as well? Because, I mean, we've got Watford feels strange. Yeah. Um... And Bournemouth, really, they're two teams that felt like they'd done it right and become fixtures in, mm-hmm. in the Premier League. And, you know, obviously, I can't believe Brentford didn't go up. Yeah. I was, you know, I, I did say to someone on Al Soccer said, it kind of smacks. If they don't go up, it's just having that feeling and sensation a bit like the year that Brentford didn't come up when we did them in the playoff semis. Yes. Because it looked like they were going to go up automatic and then they just fucked it up royally near the end. Yeah. I mean, but really, that... a team that everyone thought really should have gone on by merit, right? Yes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, there's third. There's teams that finish third, and there's teams that finish third. You know, and then and they were definitely like one that <laughs> the playoffs were a, an extremely cruel way to finish the season for that team because um, they yeah they'd done really done more than enough to deserve their place. But that's. Um, you know that's the joy of the playoffs, the fun of the playoffs. It's one thing the, I want to say about the um, one thing I want to say about the fixture list. Actually, one thing that really stood out to me is um, December eight games. Yes, that's a lot of football. Yeah, it's um, the the schedule is insane, isn't it? All the way through for for uh, the the well, yeah, the top two flights because they'll be squeezing in international games here and there as well. Ugh. Yeah, mad. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so I suppose that's us. We're, we're sort of caught up. Do you have anything else you'd like to bring up um, at this stage? There is one more. I mean, we've, we're in a difficult kind of weird place. The thing that I, I really didn't like that I think I made allusion to at the end of last season is because of this weird, because of this weird kind of uh, lockdown COVID mm-hmm. football, like there's ways to say goodbye to players in ways that we haven't said goodbye yes. to players. And there's also the weird thing of like, well, they've given extension to the end of the season, but then who knows if there if there's another contract on the table. So that seemingly is affected at the new you, who seemingly, from what I'm hearing from rumors, is that he's got a few offers on the table in Turkey or there's interest in Turkey. Um, another one of those is Kieran Lee. Yeah. Um, maybe also in this world of dated references, thanks to Hamilton now being on. Uh, Disney Plus. I just want to say, you say the price of your wages are more than we're willing to pay. You'll be back, Kieran Lee. Don't <laughs> you know that you are Wednesday? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. It's a real shame not to have been able to give a proper goodbye to several of the players that have left us this uh, summer. Um, for for all that it ended sort of acrimoniously, it's a crying shame that we didn't get to clap Sam Hutchinson around the pitch one one last time. It's mm-hmm. desperately sad that, that um, we've not had a chance to do that for Nuyu and Kieran Lee. I mean, Kieran Lee was the heartbeat of our team for <laughs> several years, and uh, it's a real 
some real stinker not to be able to um what we should do as a fan base here's a good idea that i want to see the fan base think of. if somebody wants to uh pick this up and run with it as a campaign as a protest when Addy New You goes, I think we should do over Zoom the uh ooh, hey, oh. hey, as hey. many people in a Zoom as we possibly can. That would be fantastic if we could do that one more time for Addy yeah. New. Um a few other mild comments as well for things that I couldn't <laughs> squeeze in. I've just uh, got a lot of material and notes to get to rip through here, Rich. Please do. Um did you notice that Alex Hunt has an outie on the uh <laughs> the training pitches? <laughs> No, I didn't, but that's a little treat to to away from <laughs> this uh, this episode. And also for a little note about transfers, we didn't get into this, but I'm saying we're looking for unicorns, uh, but we'll sell for a well-groomed donkey with a horn tattooed on his face. Uh, <laughs> it's a cashy six nine of a journeyman players without being a snitch. Very good. <laughs> And that's me done. That's me absolutely spent. Beautiful. Well, it's been a treat to catch up with you again, Luke. Catch up on all things Wednesday. And um, it's good to be back, folks. With that, I think I'll I'll sort of, I'll wish you a good week, Luke. And I'll wish the listeners a good week. And uh, yeah, we'll be with you with our our season predictions next week. That sounds amazing. (laughs) Thanks, Rich. Feels too premature, but... You know, there's, it's got to happen at some point. I guess so. Much like signings of players and acknowledgement of a preseason. And yeah, maybe. And we obviously, should... we would probably review the preseason friendly against Leicester if I yeah. choose to get up and watch it on YouTube at five a.m. in the morning here in <laughs> Maybe Canada. I'll just tell you about it. That would be a good idea as well. Leicester have got this player, Luke. Oh, tell oh, you yeah. what, he's. Yeah. He's quick. So you think you're, you know, you think quick, and then he's quicker than that. He is. Oh, something of the greyhound about him. Uh, <laughs> mm. uh, let's see. Let's see how positive we're feeling about the uh, the Che Dunkley uh, <laughs> Jerome Bur- Burner partnership at the back after Vardy's just torn us to pieces. Let's see. Let's see. Seventeen goals in a game. Vardy's better than ever. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Cheerio, Luke. And cheerio, Rich. Cheerio, folks at home. Cheerio, listeners. Wednesday's got me so tall up Wednesday